Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Happy November, guys. We have some really great episodes this month. Next week, we'll be covering Princess Diana. I did make a small TikTok about it not too long ago, but this time we're going to get much more in depth and we're going to say some extra truths. (laughs) We have a pretty full episode ahead for you guys. It's actually pretty long and intense since we had no idea how involved this case was until looking into it. It's a good thing that we had a week off so that we can spend the time looking into this one as deeply as we did. You will need to make sure to watch Making a Murder to really be able to follow along as we had a lot of episodes of this show to get through. So with that being said, this episode will cover a few things connected to Steve Avery and we will talk to Teresa in this episode as well, but we will only talk about what actually happened to her. We were going to be doing a bonus episode on November 30th for Kaylee Anthony, but instead we will be covering a part two of Teresa Hallback's story, which will include all of the people that were involved. So make sure to keep an ear out for that one. Oh yeah. Don't worry, guys, we will cover Kaylee Anthony, but we will make sure to cover her in December, which is fine. I have a doll that we've been calling Kaylee to bring her forward a little more, and I wouldn't mind the extra time to bond with her so she can tell me even more. Everything happens for a reason, so expect part two of Teresa Hallback out on November 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. I really didn't know where to start because there was so much to cover. So first of all, I needed to add that Teresa Hallback went missing October 31st, 2005. And the day I started working on this was November 1st, which is crazy. It's been 17 years. That is very crazy, especially seeing as our wedding anniversary is also on the 31st. Right? All right, so Teresa was a photographer. Her last alleged appointment was a meeting with a man by the name of Steve Avery. This meeting was supposed to take place near his auto salvage yard to photograph his sister's minivan that he was offering for sale on Auto Trader. Yes, and her vehicle was found partially concealed in the salvage yard. Blood was found in the exterior matching Avery's DNA. Investigators later identified charred bone fragments found in a burn pit near Avery's home. Steve was arrested and charged with Teresa's murder, kidnapping, and sexual assault, and mutilation of a corpse on November 11th of 2005, only 11 days after she went missing. He had already been charged with a weapon violation as a convicted felon, so automatically he was suspect number one. The first time he got in trouble with the law was this woman by the name of Penny Bierstein. She had gotten attacked on the beach. Steve also did some really messed up things in his life, and he also had a few enemies as well. If you want more details about his innocence and all this, you can definitely watch the show Making a Murderer on Netflix. I feel like they covered a lot of that on the show, so if there's a couple of missing pieces, that's kind of why. I also wanted to mention that I had to talk with Liz about some of these episodes. I asked her if she keeps some of the information to herself on some of these cases. I told them that I do sometimes keep things inside. 
even some of these episodes, I'm afraid because I will pinpoint out exactly who Teresa tells me who it is. And it can cause a lot of backlash. And that always gives me fear. I definitely know that it's scary sometimes, especially with the name dropping side of things. Yes, but this episode, I definitely won't hold back. Even for a moment, there are scary people that we are going to be outing. And I feel it is important to do so with every detail possible. So I have one question. There was a sketch artist by the name of Eugene who drew the photos of Stephen Avery on the day that Penny Bierstein was attacked. She had been talking to the officer, Judy Dvorak, who was friends with Sandra Morris, who hated Steve. But it was in her head that he was the one who attacked her when this sketch artist, who was also a chief deputy, he did this sketch and it looked like it was identical to the prison photo. And he had made a statement that he didn't even see a mugshot. I want to know if he lied about that. Oh, yeah, he did. He had seen the mugshot for about 30 to 45 minutes while drawing up this sketch. I feel like he had started to make a sketch originally, maybe with her, and then started to make one on his own later. He used the photo to tweak his drawings. And I feel like this photo that he had displayed to show people like, look what case I was involved in and wanted to make himself look like he was more valuable, even being like a sketch artist. Honestly, sleazy slimeball guy and one of the many, many, many people that lied in these two cases. Thank you for letting us know. There is a lot of information that we are going to try to break pieces apart of this as we go along. You can tell he was so proud of his composite because he doesn't do that. And he was proud of his work. Instead of actually caring who attacked this poor woman, I also know it was a very small town. And I even feel like this Eugene guy knew about him a bit as well. Yes. I also want to add that Judy Dvorak also does have recollection of that night and did make Penny sign that paper, even though she was out of it and also in a lot of pain physically and emotionally. When the police are telling you that they have your man, it's like hard to walk away from that situation without going along with one way or another, you know? Absolutely. How does Gregory Allen fit into all of this? I know in my gut and personally believe he was the one who attacked Penny. Now, I know they got some DNA to kind of prove that, but I felt it before I even got to that part of the episode. But they didn't care. They wanted Steve to go down for this since Sandra hated him so much and she was like a strong influencer on this case. Even though the police were surveillancing him at the time, they just happened to not be watching him at that time. Yes, exactly. They had conveniently not been watching Gregory Allen. Even though the police were surveillancing him all over the place, personally, I feel like they missed a lot of days of surveilling this guy. So they may not ever admit to that, though. Interesting and good to know. It's a shame that they didn't even look at him as a suspect, not even a little more in detail, you know? Or they probably would have tied it all together. I just, I know that they did know it was Gregory Allen and they just went with it anyway. 
they would have found like substantial evidence that he in fact did it, including I think he stole something from her and I believe he had it in his home. Interesting. Even with a few people saying that they had the wrong guy, the police did not care. This was the part that is really scary about law enforcement. Exactly. It was good that he got out of jail in 2003 and deserved that release. The police don't like when they make mistakes and that they were dead set on making sure he got caught again to prove it was him. They had their eyes on Steve hard and I feel like they were waiting and waiting and waiting but nothing happened. I definitely agree with that. They basically were outed for making a mistake and I mean makes them second guess everyone else in every other case. If they were wrong about him, looks like they could be looking at everyone else was wronged. Exactly. The police also never made any sort of statement that they were wrong, let alone admit that they lied about a lot of things, which is bullshit. Steve had been part of a wrongfully accused society that helped him out with his conviction. He was also suing the police department for $36 million. The county police certainly did not have that kind of money, let alone able to recover from such a loss that big. Well, yeah, definitely not. So Teresa Hallback was set to see three customers that day. She worked for Auto Trader as a photographer, and she was going to these homes to do pictures for the company. There is a recording of Teresa calling Stephen to let him know she was coming by to do a photo shoot and that she would be there at approximately 2 p.m. She left this on a voicemail. It was not uncommon for her to go there as she had been there a few times to take pictures in the past. Since she did not come home, police decided to take an aerial view to try to find her, hoping to find her Toyota RAV4 that was dark green. Now, obviously, the police went to the home of Steve to look into this matter. And Steve, I personally believe he had already had his wheels and his head turning as he was being set up. It was like just too perfect and coincidental. Stephen Avery had also cooperated with the police officers, allowed them to come onto his property to check and see if she was there. He had no issues with that, all because he didn't want his hands dirty in this. November 5th of 2005, Pam Stern had found the RAV4 with no plates at the Avery Salvage. Stephen Avery had suggested when he was being interviewed by a media station that he believed that the police would plant evidence on him because he doesn't hold it past them. I mean, that's where my head would go to with that trauma. This man spent 18 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit with a bumper sticker on his way out. It's just insane. Well, of course, they ended up getting a warrant and the police department that wrongfully convicted him wasn't supposed to go out there, but they did anyways and conducted an eight-day search and the Averys were not allowed on the property. Took them three days to find the key that just so happened to be in his bedroom. You know what else I need to address? Is that in the video of them going into his home, they were making fun of his letter about the part of his overturned convictions and how he was supposed to be a guest. And the one woman in there was like laughing to herself said, should check those boot prints for local robberies too. Like these people are absolutely disgusting. It was like they were like, ha, we got you again, motherfucker. 
I also believe that like they're not allowed to like unless they specifically find a dead body or body parts they can't tell a family they can't go on the property I feel like that was a little planned and sketched as well interesting they really had it out for him you can tell took them three days to find those keys as well kind of suspicious right then they found a smear of blood in her car as well but that's not at all Brandon Avery, which is his nephew, decided to come forward on his own, technically, stating that he had helped his uncle rape and kill her. Yeah, and he was also related to Teresa as well. Now, Steve and Barb, and Barb being Brandon's mother, talked to Steve, and Steve explained that he wasn't even there at that time, and to ask him basically why he did this. Barb went to see him and he told her that the police pushed him to say what they wanted to hear. He had originally told them that four months prior, he had told them he didn't talk to her or know of where she was at all. Isn't that shocking? You can see it in the video. And I know he also had mental health issues too, like being a mom of somebody who has a child on the spectrum and, you know, other children and kids and you know we know a lot of people who have mental disabilities and they can't always comprehend things as things are coming at you especially when the cops are pushing you like that i remember being a kid and my mom would like accuse me of things one day we came home from school my mom was really upset because there was a bunch of rotten apples in the garbage and she wanted to know which one of us kids had done it now they looked at me like i was the troubled one and when i said no they looked at my little brother who was the only other person that could have done it and my mother pushed and pushed and pushed me saying if you just confess you can have dessert and i remember eyeballing my brother like tell mom and just as i was about to confess since i wanted my dessert my mom popped up and said oh my goodness i threw out the apples and laughed it off i knew i was a child and I mean, he was 16 and the cops pressed and pressed and pressed. I could only imagine what they would say to him to make him confess, including the things I see on the video. This poor kid is like sitting there thinking he's going to get in trouble if he doesn't say a truth that isn't really true. You can see it on his face. It's just wild. Absolutely. Uh, I've been in a pressured situation from cops before, but uh, I did not crack. But again, I'm not like, you know, mentally disabled in any way. So I can only imagine how scared this kid was. I remember a long time ago, my mom's boyfriend at the time was overtaking his drugs and he had blamed it on me even though I wasn't even in the house I didn't live with my mother at the time or anything and the police were like just tell us you did it just just confess we'll help you we'll help you just say you did it just say it just say it and I'm like dude I'm not saying anything because I didn't do it you can give me a lie detector test you can go in my house you could do whatever you want but like it, it, I didn't do it so I totally understand that it's pretty messed up I am beyond scared of law enforcement and borders and government officials honestly when it comes to that because they have to be mean and forceful and make you feel like you're doing something wrong i have a genuine fear of it not because of my own personal experiences but others and what i've seen definitely not all law enforcement is corrupt or evil as people like to say but a lot of bad eggs are in there for sure it is sad and people always ask you to go to the police. Exactly my point. 
don't know who you can trust with information. If a detective came to me and I felt like they were genuinely trying to help, I would absolutely try to help in any way I could. Do you feel like Brandon lied? He absolutely did lie. And sadly, it's I hate saying that because he's so confused. Sadly, didn't even know what was going on. All he wanted to do was go back to school and hand in his unfinished project because he was afraid of getting in trouble. And I stand by that. I know we've talked about Stephen a lot and I wanted to take this back to the person who was killed. And although we feel for Stephen, we are here for Teresa. Yes. Now with Teresa, she had asked me to make sure I watch every single minute of the show before doing her episode, and it is a lot to watch, and I have tried my hardest, so that is why it's a two-parter. What can she tell us about what happened before October 31st, 2005? Can she paint us a picture? She shows me a few things, and I'm going to spell it out the way things happened because there's a few pieces that are confusing as hell, but I'm hoping that we don't miss any of these gaps. She wants everyone to know that Steve was really nice. He was a bit more open-minded about his opinions and paranoia. And he talked openly about his struggles with anybody about the police. He had mentioned that before the date of October 31st. She had seen him several times and she confirmed that with me. He would also talk about how he felt like something bad was coming for him. He believed, of course, it was because of his own jail trauma, but he did mention to her a few times in passing when she was there to do this job. She did entertain him a bit, but she did find his theories on the paranoid side, but she did empathize with him since he had a tough situation happen to him. Did she ever express this conversation to anyone else in her life after she had spoken with him? Yes, she did actually. She had mentioned it to several family members. She shows me she told them her own theories. And from the looks of it, her family disagreed with her. Shocking. Her ex-boyfriend also, at the time, disagreed with her. And everyone else had already felt like he was a convict. They looked at him like he was a crook. And regardless of who went down for it, he deserved to be in prison. Talk about judging a book by its cover. It's pretty sad how this is the view of a lot of people in this little town. Well, Teresa felt bad for him, believe it or not, and her opinion was shared with the family member boyfriend a few times and they would just shut her up. She also tells me that her feelings towards him may have been the reason she was chosen as the victim. Because she would be the one to defend him if he had been accused of killing someone else. She really feels that way. What happened the day of October 31st, 2005? She woke up. She said she was feeling extra good this day. She had planned to go somewhere with a couple of friends. She hadn't seen in a while. Maybe like, um, I don't know, a coffee date or something. It could have been something connected to Halloween, but not dressing up type of plans. And she was excited because she didn't get to go out much. She wanted to feel good and she was excited to do so. Were her and her ex on bad terms? Yes and no. She was not interested in being with him anymore. And I believe her family like really liked him, especially her brother. I feel like he would really try and get her, you know, to take him back, use the brother as a scapegoat. And she wasn't interested in him and wanted to have some time away from him because he kind of spent a lot of time stalking her. She shows me the night before she went missing. 
He had come over uninvited and he again demanded to be part of her life for the 100th time. She said that he could never take a hint and this had gone on for years. She said that his obsession was starting to get a little annoying, but in his mind, he always felt like they were meant to be. She really didn't want to be with him again because he caged her and she was a free spirit and wanted to live that life and he didn't want that. It didn't mesh well. Was he ever violent towards her? No, she said he wasn't, but he was obsessive and really didn't want her having her own life. She didn't like that at all. And I think one of the many reasons they were broken up, honestly, but she said that he still stalked her life, wanted to get back together with her. She said she didn't really use phones for this. He would just show up where she lived and things were getting out of hand. Like he would hang out with the roommate because they were friends. Um, I honestly believe at this point she had told him enough's enough. Yeah, that is the vibe that I was picking up on her ex-boyfriend there. So how did he feel about her having a male roommate? She shows me that they were all friends, so it didn't really bother him. He knew how Teresa felt about him. How did she feel about him? She shows me he was uh, very awkward. Not at all someone she would be interested in at all. She shows me he didn't really take care of himself too much. He spent a lot of time being alone in the house. She shows me that her ex never thought anything was going on, but maybe one or two times he did say something like out of anger when this, you know, Scott roommate guy wasn't around. I know he was also the one looking through her phone records. Does she show how he obtained her password when going in her phone account online? She says he knew her pretty well. And she had used that password often when they were together. And since he had broken into a few of her things before, she said it wasn't surprising that he had done this too. She said that his intentions were not because he was worried at this point. He was worried that she was with another dude and trying to snoop about it. And of course, she said that that was his pattern and another reason she didn't want to be with him. Does she know why he thinks it's Stephen Avery? She said he goes along with everyone else because it was someone else and that he would eventually have become like suspect number one and that couldn't happen. He would rather it be put on Steve one way or another. How was her relationship with Scott, her roommate? She said at first things were fine and she said that eventually she couldn't stand being there anymore. She couldn't stand him being there anymore. She wanted him gone. She didn't like his habits. She said that he was getting really comfortable and they did have some confrontation from time to time. What did she plan to do if things didn't get better with him? She said that she would have told him to leave at some point one way or another. And she said that there was nothing to fix. She said that he would just go back home and he didn't want to do that. Did Scott know she wanted him out? Oh yeah, he did. I even feel like he talked about it to her ex-boyfriend as well and try to convince him to help him out and, you know, not getting himself kicked out. Why does Scott blame Steve? She said that he would have been a suspect in this case as well, but, you know, all of that got sidetracked. No one gave a shit about the other options out there because they were so focused on getting Steve regardless of what happened. Well, thank you for that. So what happened before she got to Steve's place? She shows me she had gone to her first two appointments with no issues. And she said that she had a pretty pleasant experience. She even had lunch 
maybe a lunch out, and then headed to Steve's place like normal. Anything out of the normal there for her. She said she had seen a Manitowoc County car around the area leading up to Steve Avery's property, and she was definitely confused by that. She also thought to herself, maybe he isn't paranoid about these things. She never got to express that to anyone since she was running a little behind and just wanted to finish up her work for the day, but wanted to make note of it for later. And she said she wishes she had told Steve this information before she had left. So she did complete the job for him. Yes. And she said it was normal. Once she had given him the magazine, yes, he did go into the house and he did put it beside the computer like he normally did. He had a pretty busy day himself and was kind of rushing around as well. Was anyone else around? Did she see anyone else? She said she didn't see anyone until after Steve had gone inside, other than the police that she had seen almost a mile back from where she came in. She said she also felt like she was being followed. Now, she said she felt this often because her ex, Ryan, would normally make her feel this way, but that day's watching was a little different. How so? I see that she shows me that she could have sworn she had seen that same cop once again that was looking at her. She said that he didn't look like someone she knew. She said she saw something familiar, but she knew everyone and the police officers there, and she did not recognize him as a police officer. He was wearing a uniform. He was very tall, pretty skinny, did have a couple of tattoos, but like maybe sticking out of his neck and maybe something on his hand. She said that he didn't look like a cop at all. Anyways, from the sounds of it, he was there somewhere on the property. I don't know exactly where since I can't see it, but somewhere far enough away where she had initially seen Avery. This police officer locked eyes with her again. This time, this person stopped her on her way out. And she said there was no reason for him to pull her over. So she thought perhaps he was lost or needed some assistance. And he came outside of his vehicle next to hers and said, Teresa, what are you doing up here with Steve? She said she found it very odd that he knew her name and called her by it as she didn't know who the hell he was. What did he do next? She shows me he had told her something silly. Although being friendly, she had informed him she was just taking photos for Steve. And from what she shows me, she had her camera next to her on the passenger seat. She gestured to it and he wanted her to show him the photos. And she asked if she had to do that as she was kind of in a hurry to leave. And he turned his head and kind of changed his attitude towards her, saying something along the lines of, Steve Avery put a complaint in about you stealing something off his property, and I'm here to see if you did. And she was shocked. She couldn't even believe that this was happening. What did he say she stole? Auto parts of value, and that he needed her to come back with him to straighten things out. She did agree to go back because she wanted to see what the hell was going on, but more so to see what would happen. She shows me she didn't believe that Steve had called the cops because he hated the cops. But since he was heading back to Steve's place, she said, why not? Did he take her back to Steve directly? She followed him back into the lot, and from what she shows me, 
he took a completely different direction. So she just assumed he just didn't know where the hell he was going. He told her to step out of the car and that she was surrounded by cars. She followed him to an area she knew that Steve definitely wasn't in. And from what she shows me, he got out of the car and that she said, uh, Steve's not in this area. So she was really confused and she got out of the car and kind of started screaming all this out to him. And then from what I can see, he knocked her out. But she did not lose consciousness. She said that her vision was blurred, but she knows she was hit with like a two by four. She said he even had an iron rod and I believe he picked up all these items around the yard. I feel like he was far back enough that they wouldn't be able to hear anything or see anything. She shows me she didn't scream, but she did say something like, what the hell are you doing? She did have blood on her hands and she was on the ground. She shows me she asked him to stop. And that's when she started to cry and call out for help. Yikes. Uh, and the yard was big enough that no one could hear it. Yeah. From what she shows me, there was a lot of noise going on on the property. But they were close to the area of where the car ended up being found. Does she know anything about this man? She said that he does not work for the county police department and he did have a badge, but she said it was a lie too. He was given a badge to impersonate a police officer. Was he sent there to kill her? Yes, sir. And also to plant evidence from what she says. He's a local and she didn't know him as a cop. Remember how I said she kind of said he seemed familiar? She had known this man to have like a lot of cop friends. He was about 35 back then. He is also friends with a few judges, including the one who didn't let Avery's nephew obtain new counsel with his lawyer, even though he thought he was guilty. Wow. So what happened to Teresa next? Well, from what she shows me, she didn't get much further from where she was. She said she tried to run, but this man stopped her before she could even get two feet from him. He pulled her hair and she asked him why he was doing this. Did he answer her? He said, you just so happened to be a pawn in a bigger game. He promised her that her death will make a lot of people happy and she needs to be sacrificed for the bigger fish to be caught. And even in that moment, fearing for her own life, she knew what he meant. He killed her. She shows me he stabbed her a few times with a knife. And from what she shows me, he had gotten a little spooked getting things together. He had placed her car under the items to make it seem like it was actually, you know, trying to be hidden. He took the keys from Teresa. I think she didn't even have it in her car anymore. I think she had it in her hand. And his blood was planted in the car as well and all done by this unidentified man. We are hoping for some of you locals to help us by giving us the men in the surrounding area with this information below. Yes, tall man, brown mustache. His head was fuller of hair at the time. I keep seeing that he had a family. I would say two kids, one girl, one boy. He did have a wife back then, but I don't believe he has one now. His kids aren't too involved in his life. I feel like he is a heavy drinker. I'd say he's still alive now and definitely not in the best shape of health. And the letters I keep feeling BF, 
I don't know what they are or what they're connected to, but I know it's connected to him. She shows me he was slimy and crooked and he could have had a bit of a record too. She shows me that may have been his like get out of jail free card. How does she feel about all this? I mean, she's happy that this document series came out because it put some light onto things. She said she knows her family is grieving and she said she knows they just want justice to be settled. But she said that there is a reason that this keeps coming back up because it is a cover up because it is a huge cover up and a lot more people and situations to unfold in the next episode we cover. She said that that man did kill her Although he was the one to commit the crime, he was sent by a few masterminds. Was her death a total setup? Yes. She said that she was chosen for this. She said that just like this fake cop had stated, it's all true. She was a pawn and had to die. She was the best person for the setup. She wants her real story told justice for Stephen Avery. She jokes and says when and if that happens, he needs to move away. I agree with that. So guys, we will be asking you if you guys want to submit who you think Liz could be talking about in this episode. You are more than welcome to send an email to freakedoutlizlandon at gmail.com. Again, that is freakedoutlizlandon at gmail.com. Landon being spelled L-A-N-D-E-N. Please make sure to include a photo and information as how it connects to the details above. Yes, serious inquiries only, guys. I'm the one that has to go through all these emails. This person needs to be a local in the area and also still living there now. If we are able to make a positive match on this person, then Liz will announce it in the next episode we cover for Teresa. And we will also give that person a shout out on that Teresa episode. If anyone tries to stop us from posting this, we all know why, because it's a cover up. (laughs) Next week, guys, we will be back on the patron side to give you the Princess Diana episode, which is also a crazy story. So you don't want to miss it. So please make sure to sign up for the patrons. I've noticed a lot of people are signing up and then they're having some credit card issues. So make sure your credit card and details are all up to date so that your account does not get canceled. Absolutely, guys. Until next time, stay freaked out. Stay freaked out.